This is the Key to Authority Podcast, episode number 47 with Aiden Parsons. Welcome to the Key to Authority Podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janish Pandya. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key to Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Janesh Pandya, and I'm excited to have you on this journey along with me, and I thank you for tuning in. We are very close to the 50th episode, and what a journey it has been. The great speakers we've had, the content, the audience, you name it, the length of the episodes, the things that have changed throughout, and it just only began six, seven months ago. I'm really amazed with the support I've had with the exposure I've got from the podcast and whatnot. But we'll cover that a little bit in the 50th episode and in the event that we're put up, I'm putting on together to celebrate it. So I'd love to have you there. But if you've been listening to this from the start, I really, really appreciate your support. And it means a lot to me that you've hung out till, me, till now and seen me develop and seen me go through these kind of things. And without you, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And if you're just joining me in this is your first episode or the couple of the first two, three, I really, really thank you for finding out about this podcast and starting to listen to it. And if there's anything I could do to improve it and make it better, please let me know through the uh, podcast, through the reviews on iTunes, or even through the comment section or contact us page from the website. In regards to the 50th episode, it's a special guest I'm planning to have and I can't wait to share with you who that is and what we're going to cover in that episode. But also, I've put together an event on the 6th of January to celebrate it. So I'd love to invite you. If you're in Perth, please do come along. And to get the details about that event, go to the show notes of the podcast. That is keytoauthority.com slash EP047. And we'd love to have you at the event and celebrate the 50th episode along with you. So looking forward to seeing you there. Now, if you have anything to do in regards to helping other businesses develop and grow, then this is a must-listen episode for you, and especially if you're in the coaching and consulting business. Today's guest is Aiden Parsons, who at a very young age of around 27, he's established a highly, highly successful executive coaching business from scratch. And in this interview, He shares exactly how he did it, how he quickly gained traction when he started out, the coaching model he uses to generate greater results, and a lot more. There's a lot of content in this, there's a lot of value bombs, and there's a lot of gold dust. So make sure you have your notepad and pen ready to take down some serious notes. Aiden Parsons is the founder of Keystone Executive Coaching, previously a senior executive managing and developing organizations for others, he has a deep knowledge of organizational and cultural development. It is from his time in this role that he's become a man driven by lifestyle. He relishes supporting his clients to become the same. He builds his clients' success on a foundation of extensive undergraduate and postgraduate training in human behavior in combination with the latest best practice business and coaching methodologies all mixed in with a depth of lived experience. So, without further ado, here's the interview with Aiden Parsons. 
Hey, Aiden. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. Uh, Claire White-Lebrown got in touch with me after interviewing her, and she mentioned that you are a fantastic coach of hers, and you really, really do great things around her business, but and not only her business, but a lot of other people. And you've just come back from your nice long overseas trip after getting married. Congratulations on that. And we've <laughs> so we finally got a chance to talk. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad we could finally catch up. It's uh, I'm certainly having that, um, you know, long holiday rebound period. So something like this to just sort of center and, and focus again is, is fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like after that longer holiday, I guess it's good to get back on your feet and get it running and get it started back again. So Aiden, tell me like, how did your journey in terms of becoming an authority and executive coaching start and what got you started in it? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Um, so, uh, I probably, my first contact with coaching, um, came through as in my role as an occupational therapist. Um, so I was, quite blessed and quite fortunate to accelerate as an occupational therapist in the mental health sector quite quickly as a clinician and subsequently received a lot of coaching and mentoring to support me to do that. Um, and at one stage I, I had a coach myself and I, I suppose that was my first experience of it as a sort of a management tool or a um, sort of strengthening and, and guiding management professionals and and executives, pardon me. And um, from that, then I, I sort of employed it as a uh, – I decided it was time to do some training in it, so so I went ahead and did that. I did some training through TCI in Melbourne and, and pursued other training also and subsequently started to employ it within my teams and also I started to employ it as a therapeutic medium. And the – I suppose the time came for me where I had experienced so much coaching that I, I don't know if I felt like I outgrew my coach or something like that, but essentially I felt that it was time to probably, you know, give it a stab on my own. I really like the, the concept of coaching that it's, it, it fosters personal development and it fosters the person's growth. And, and I suppose it's about just supporting them to become the best version of themselves in whatever modality that is. And uh, it really sort of resonated with me. So um, started doing a little bit of coaching on the side whilst I was still employed as an exec. Um, and then I suppose the push came to shove and I thought, well, I need to make a decision on this. And I, I resigned from my position and opened my business full time and just started. I was once again really quite fortunate in uh, I gained traction very quickly with some, some larger organizations, which has sort of leveraged me into good position um, as a coach to then move forward and I suppose live my life the way I do. Yeah. So that's a helicopter view. Yeah. Okay. And that's really interesting because like not many people get that chance to either, you know, it's like, that's it. I've got the thing I'm going for and make that jump. It takes a lot of time. So that's mm. really great on you. So you said uh, you quickly grew traction. So tell me a bit more about that because I know a lot of coaches who do the courses and then they do their little thing and their little thing and then quietly die down or they don't go anywhere. So what was different about your side of things? Yeah, so this is um, – if there was a magic pill, um, I wish I could give it to every coach out there, but <laughs> unfortunately there's not. 
Um, and if anyone's selling the the magic pill or you know this will get you seven figures or six figures, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> um, the there's a couple of things that are essential. So the first thing is is it you just have to have just hustle and grind. So you have to every opportunity that you see present for yourself, you need to pursue it. Um, I made a rule for myself that when I left my my position, I left a really good position, and I said. You know, I can do this. I need to make the, – the only thing is I need to make the decision to say that, okay, I'm going to be relentless about it. So you need to bring relentless hustle and, and just hunt it out. So scenarios where it's like, you know, 7.30 in the evening, I've had a big day, and the last thing I want to do is go and do some networking, and there's a networking event that I don't think I'm probably going to get anything out of, and I could just blow it off, or do you go and do it and become relentless about it? So that's um, that's probably the first thing that, that you'd need to bring. The other thing is you need to leverage on, I suppose, your marketplace and your existing contacts. So there's everyone has a, a really robust sort of network around them, and it's about <clears throat> opening your eyes to that network from a business perspective. So most when I say that, most people will interpret it as, oh, how can I sell to that network? That's completely incorrect. You want to ask yourself, what is the value that I can add to that network and how can I support that network to grow? And then subsequently, you're going to create momentum and sort of authority about you as a coach or as someone selling something that will then subsequently attract more momentum to you. And then finally, particularly for coaches, um, don't, I think, the key here is a lot of coaches try and resolve for their clients what I think inherently they want to resolve for themselves. Um, and, and that's okay, but you need to get very, very, very clear about who you're doing your coaching journey for. Like, are you coaching for a client and is it a business? Or two, are you coaching to resolve an issue within you and hope that we can make money along the way because unfortunately it's very very difficult to do both and it's i suppose you need to make the decision on what is the problem you're solving and are you actually seeking to solve the problem within you because that's going to make it very hard for you if you still have this resonating issue without seeking external guidance from another coach or you know getting a coach yourself to actually provide that service to someone, to guide you through that service. Yeah. So there's there's a handful of things. There's obviously much more, you know, um, when you can invest in paid advertising, but do it smartly, um, you know, get in front of people and speak, start to contribute documentation and, and articles as best as you can. But if there's anything, <clears throat> it's just relentless hustle, Um relentless hustle just be present everywhere and bring value in every space yes yeah, so in regards to then the relentless hustle what is an example that you went through so like that networking event so what is something that you know you went through again and again and a hustle really great that it worked for you because i want to hear a little bit more of that story yeah absolutely so i used to have a uh, i used to set goals for myself each week so I set the target that by the end of the first month of coaching, I need to be able to have generated at least $10,000 a month because that was going to equate my previous income and subsequently allow me to grow my business. 
So examples of the hustle that I was doing were um, a nice one would be on Facebook. I would share content really actively, but I wouldn't sell content. So there's a very there's a clear line here. Um, don't I wasn't like, hey, can we have a, you know free strategy session or, or, or the thing that's been done to death? Hey, um, this is the best opportunity ever, and I'll give it to you for free. It's normally ten thousand bucks. It was none of that. It was more, here's some information. Um, it's about selling, and it's about creating a mindset of selling. Um, would love, you know, this is what I think, and then people would comment on it. Every single engagement I got on those Facebook posts, I would then get in contact with those people and I would just strike up a conversation with them and see where they're at, what they're doing, how are they going. And subsequently, with enough of that hustle, um, I would generate people who are actually seeking something that I can provide, some support. So that was one of the ways that I would hustle. On top of that, it was big. I've done the cold calling thing. I've done the... um, Subsequently, I've done uh, like held seminars and trainings in different um, different uh, sort of like financial planning institutions and, and accounting services. And the way I've done that is I've simply called them up and said, "Hey, um, you know, wrote Googled. I've said financial planners, North Queensland, and I've Googled, you know, and written down fifteen names and numbers. And I've called each of them and said, "Hey, look, my name's Aidan Parsons. Um, I'm looking to increase momentum for myself here in business." Um, I would love to see if there's something that I could add to you uh, in, in value that would subsequently support my business and also support yours. Um, now, I know that, you know, you want to be protective of your, your clients because your clients are your livelihood. So why don't we just get a chat, go uh, meet up for a chat and see if we're a good fit. And if not, that's fine. Now, a lot of people will hang up, but the ones that you do get, if you as, a, as an executive coach or a business coach, or any sort of a coach, really, can get in front of 50 people as an authority, you're going to close, you're going to get leads out of it. You're going to get at least 10, 15 leads, pending your presentation skills at a minimum, and subsequently can close those through sale. So, And then on top of that, I was living about an hour and a half from, I suppose, a metropolitan center in Queensland. And, you know, I, I would just, <clears throat> I would just be exhausted. I'd be driving at night. And there'd be these evening networking events that would take, I wouldn't get back till 10, 30, 11, and I'd still go. I'd still say, yes, I've got to turn up. I've got to do it. Every Saturday morning, go in for the morning coffees on Saturday. It's an extra three-hour drive, um, but you do it. And lo and behold, with enough grind and enough hustle, um, and it's funny. It's like it's almost when you're about to go, I just I could not be bothered to do this one. I'm not going to get anything. When you turn up that one, you get something. <laughs> It's funny. It's almost like the universe is saying, you just a little step further. Um, but yeah, there's some examples of the hustle. And I suppose generally it's people know when they're hustling, you know, like it's it's also about what's hustling for you, you know, setting goals and then working out how you're going to achieve them. Um, sitting down and actually going, okay, what would I, what do I absolutely have to do or what can I do at least to begin and build some momentum around myself? No, that's really inspiring and obviously those things you had to do. So what comes to mind is did you get your did you reach your goal of that ten thousand dollars per month in that first month? And Yeah, I actually made fourteen. Oh wow, month. congrats. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. So, I'm really lucky. Yeah. And so in terms of fourteen thousand per month, you would have been really, really stoked because you have hustled and completely starting as brand new. 
So how was that feeling like? Oh, it was it was amazing. Um, it was one of the it was that like um, holy shit it's working moment. Um, <laughs> and then it was then I suppose the biggest thing after that was understanding mindset. So then self sabotage will come through. So once you get like to go from earning no money with your head and your voice to earning $14,000 a month with your mind and your voice is a big change. And the first thing your body does or your mind will go is, oh, holy fuck. Um, <laughs> sorry, if I'm not let's swear on this. Um, this isn't sustainable. It'll tell you that oh, there's no way I could sustain this. And absolutely I could sustain it as everyone would sign up on 12-month agreements. But the, the game I, I suppose I would play with in my own head was um, this isn't sustainable. And then there's this whole intrinsic battle about self-value and, and am I worth this and can I deliver this? And that's, I suppose, where I was getting coached effectively about that from a number of different sources. That that was what sort of maintained that growth period. That was such an important component because, um, uh, yeah, if I suppose if I didn't get that, it would have been fall over time, I think. I would have definitely would have had a contraction anyway. Okay, so what in specific areas were your coaches or, as you mentioned, like you were getting that from other people because now considering that was the key aspect for you to now go ahead and do even more than $14,000 a month. So what were the things that, you know, that clicked at that time? It's like, yep, this is the perfect thing to help you work on that self-sabotage because I think that comes up. In a lot of people, even myself, I have that sometimes, and I know a lot of listeners have that sometimes, yeah. Well, uh, for me, it was definitely, um, there, there was one activity, there's two things. One was actually speaking with a business mentor of mine, just a good friend that I've known for a long time, who's been very successful, who just let me know that it's going to happen. He said, look, this is going to happen, you're going to experience it, it's fucking normal, relax, it's fine, and just keep working through it. But... Secondly, um, I experienced what's called um, sort of change work. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. And I ended up, um, I suppose, it's it's changing identity beliefs around self. And this is where the importance of coaching is so, I suppose it's so powerful, is that um, visually we used a technique with um, one of my coaches to go through um, and actually have a look at myself in future state. I'm just, you know, a representation of me who has, who has been incredibly successful. And what do I know about myself? What do I hold about myself? How do I play? Um, how do I want to experience the world? Um, what are the things that I accept about myself and others? What are the things that I don't? Um, and what do I need to take from that and hold and employ right now to then get there and continue growing in that fashion? And that's uh, there's a number of ways to do that, but for me, um, visualization works incredibly well, uh, and that's something I do with a lot of the people. So I mentor some coaches as well, and that's something that I do that almost gets immediate results. Like it's something that you can do, and you'll see immediately people will will hustle differently. They'll hustle with more with more vigor. They'll they'll close sales quicker. They'll hold a stance of value much stronger and they won't even be concerned about the money coming in and whether or not it's going to last or not because they sort of shift that, that belief about themselves as to whether or not they're worth it. They know they're worth it and they deserve it and then they continue to move to achieve that and more. 
I'm just trying to think of it in my sense and my scenario as well. And uh, we had a chat with someone else earlier about self-doubts and self-belief, and it was something that they mentioned that visualizing in the future, as you've mentioned. So that's really key. So now moving from there, so you've quit your job, you've made 14 grand a month, self-sabotage. So what is one thing that's worked gangbusters in helping you grow authority from there to what you are now? Um, it's absolutely essential to to when you start to have the capital to invest, you start to delegate and invest in things that aren't essential for your for you anymore. So, for me, hiring a digital marketer, um, getting involved, focusing heavily on sales and purchasing good sales training, um, they were things I think that just you know that was just putting some petrol on the fire and. It, it really sort of turned things up. It also allowed me to understand if I invest this much a month, um, I will get this many leads. And then I know that I can close my leads at perhaps a 35, 40%, maybe 60, 70, 80% in a good month. Um, and then I can sort of plan my future um, income as well. So it's, I suppose, uh, moving from hustle into, as a coach, moving from hustle into actual business is is all about structure. So it's about what do you let go, what do you uh, what do you delegate to someone else, um, who do you actually delegate it to. There's plenty of people out there selling things that aren't actually going to get you any reward, <laughs> uh, and then knowing how much you invest to to get a reward, and and then subsequently, you know, what do you do with those rewards? So Aiden, then what is the key to structuring your business for greater results? So. In order to structure your business for greater results, it's about actually becoming very clear as a coach, um, becoming very, very clear on what your roles are and placing yourself, if you like, as the CEO of your business. Um, a nice example of this would be, so if we were to fast forward a few months down the track, um, I've... I've got my digital marketer. I've done the sales training. I've got a publicist working. Um, then it's so you have you have clients then, and it's okay. So, but I can't necessarily spend time with these clients all the time um, because then I'm I'm continuing to trade my time. So then it's about it's all comes down to effective structure and positioning yourself as I, the way I say it is as the CEO as the you know, the chief executive officer and an understanding how do you leverage relationships and employ and I suppose employ people, be they contractors or you know, actual employees, to to leverage your position and then actually creating a a business model around your coaching, not just being um one on one coaching all the time. So an example of how I did that was the marketplace for coaches was becoming quite saturated, and there was a, um, I suppose, that people were seeking more clarity about their outcomes, business owners and, and executives. So, and, and for me personally, it was about I need to look at structuring my business um, that puts me at sort of the head of the chain and, and actually treating my coaching as a business. So how do I do that? So I, I came up with the concept, which was very similar to a process that I installed in the health service, is a case conceptualized or a case conceptualization or consultation model, which essentially 
is as follows, where a client will come to me, be they a coach or a business, and the first thing I need to do is inform that client or that coach of how I work and that our mission at Keystone is that we're not to be the biggest but rather the highest performing and SME consultancy in the world. And to do that, if I was to work with everyone that came to me, I would not be the highest performing. And more importantly, my clients would be investing with me when I can actually get them results. So the first thing I installed was an assessment system, an assessment period. This was the structure for me. So six weeks, um, there's a fee on it, it's paid, um, and we sit down and we go through the coaches, I suppose, business at the time or what's going on for them or the business themselves, the small to medium enterprise themselves, and have a look at where they need to focus on first. Okay. From that, we then do what's called a consultative review where me and a series of my peers that I subcontract work to, so sales coach, um, a CFO, a digital marketer that I employ, and I also subsequently contract work to, um, and all the other people in my network that I think can add value particularly for this client, I ask them to come in on a consultative review and have a look at the assessment documents with the client and basically put their recommendations forth for the first 90 days. And then we draw a line at 90 days and we say, okay, what is it that we can achieve? And if we can achieve that, what sort of reimbursement would we expect? And from that, just in that little synopsis there, it's about reflecting my structure of my values, my standards, my, my vision, my mission, and actually correlating them effectively. <clears throat> so because one of the biggest business values and I suppose professional values I hold is integrity and honesty, for me, when we structure our reimbursement, it's about creating a financial reward that is uh, appropriate to business growth or coaching growth for my clients. Um, in terms of the mission to be the highest performing, um, the vision is to be the, the highest performing, sorry. Um, it's about, you know, okay, so if I'm going to be the highest performing, what do I need to actually structure in my business to create that. So then from that point, um, after the initial assessment consultancy review, it allows me to um, either take the client on myself and grade my reimbursement to the client's growth or subsequently, um, I suppose, hand the client over or essentially subcontract a coach or a CFO or an accountant or bookkeepers or someone in my network to work with that client and I clip the ticket for them as they go through um, based on what we think the investments required at that time. So it draws an income for me. It keeps me in the, I suppose, it keeps me in a circle of business professionals. It keeps me sharp and it makes sure that my clients get a full view and a full opinion and a full, I suppose, understanding of how they need to grow their business. And more importantly, get reimbursed appropriately in, in, in conjunction with their business growth. That's a really, really great model because I'm just looking at, so you've pre-qualified, you've qualified the client and obviously if it's not a fit, I would assume that part of your integrity and honesty, you guys wouldn't work. But if, again, it's not a fit, it might be a fit for someone else and you help them out as well as helping the client. And then afterwards, if it's a fit, you're working 
with them to work on their performance and increasing in that. So that that's a really, really great model. And I haven't seen that kind of models that many people use. Yeah, it's. I think the key to it is the assessment period, Genish, in that um, it if it wasn't there, it does two things. It one, it it cleans up, I suppose, leads for me in that I'm only coaching people and I'm only investing time with people that I know are serious about creating results for themselves. And two, it allows the client to experience me and me to experience the client and keeps their investment. Uh, it, sorry, keeps their investment um, low without signing up to a big, you know, $120,000 12-month contract um, and then turning around and finding out six months in that they're not a good fit to their, their you know, their business coach anymore. It's, it's a nightmare scenario. And it, it allows the clients to trust and take steps appropriately. And even, and as you said, at the end of the assessment period, um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We shake hands and walk away. They the full at that period in time. And we find out, you know, we've been reimbursed for the assessment period, but also more importantly, we now know that that's a client that we can't work for. Um, and we've saved the client the headache of investing in something that's not going to get them returns. Okay. And what's, what's, what's uh, the process in terms of the assessment period? Because that's where you filter out and either the client filters out kind of thing. That's where you figure out whether the rubber's going to meet the road kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a pretty, um, it's an extensive document. I suppose we look at their marketing, we look at their sales techniques, we look at their organizational structure, all their, their, their employees. We look, we look at all the bones of their, their business as such. Um, uh, but more importantly, what I'm really looking to see is, how they work with recommendations and how willing to play at a high level, like how serious, basically how serious they are about their business. That's what I'm, I'm really looking for because um, at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can tell someone exactly what they need to do, but if they haven't got it in them to do it, like I can't make someone's business successful. People will tell you, a coach will tell you, yeah, I'll make your business successful and, and all the rest of it, but really they can't. The only person who can is the business owner or the people doing the roles. And I need to know that that person's going to do what I ask them to do to get the results for themselves. So I need to know that they'll back themselves. And that's, that's a huge component of the assessment period, along with all the, you know, we want to know the debt to equity ratios. We want to know, are the, is it, is this actually a, a correct financial investment for them as well? Like the last thing, I suppose the last thing we want to see them doing is coming to us and, and sweating about, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to make payments. And, you know, and we're really open and honest as well. Like sometimes we can get immediate traction, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes we might need two or three months to get uh, an increase in the bottom line just to tidy up everything that's come through, like the organizational and the policy and procedures around lead generation and sales and, and all the nuts and bolts. Like sometimes you can hit the ground running, sometimes you can. And um, I suppose with that, it's about seeing where they are financially that are they going to be able to come with us for three, six months to then hit that big milestone and get that flashpoint when everything's tidied up. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. It was, it was probably the, if I look at what, what the most amount of work went into, it was developing the assessment document. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty convoluted, <laughs> but it's it's good. <laughs> but I guess that's like it filters out most of your clients and the people in terms of whom you really really want to work, and obviously whom you're gonna go produce massive massive results because once you've produced that, like they'll be over the moon and happy to continue on and on kind of thing. Yeah, like I I um a recurring client for me is is the best. You know, it's the best feeling. It's it, one. It cuts down. Like I, I can't remember off the top of my head how much it costs me to get a new client these days, but to have a recurring client that actively refers to you is just gold dust. Like you cannot beat that. Um, and I think you know, like very few people. I suppose we're not gonna we're not gonna exclude someone from from working with us if their business is untidy or if their business isn't. Um, you know, uh, financially supported or able to be financially um, viable to, to invest in us. Um, it's more about how they work and, and being very open and honest with them on what we think, you know, what we think they need to invest with us before they're going to get a return. You know, like, so I'll share a nice example with you. I worked with a, a company and just for confidential sakes, I won't say what they were working in or anything, but essentially they just spent $40,000 on SEO optimized or search engine optimization. Wow. And, <laughs> Sorry. 40 grand yeah, on SEO. 40 grand. And um, <laughs> they, they got heaps of hits, but, and this is no, this is no exaggeration. They did not get one increase in sales. 40 and grand, had, no sales. Wow. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, they weren't necessarily a big company that could just take a hit of 40 grand. You know, like 40 grand for a big company is a hit, but 40 grand for a company that's not cracking, you know, seven figures is a really big hit. Um, so they came to us and they said, look, um, we don't know what we need to make money and we don't know what's going to happen. And essentially someone sold them wishes and dreams. Um, charged them 40 grand over three months. And then they ended up getting, they got lots of hits, but they were all from, you know, I, I assume they were all dud hits in that they were from somewhere overseas and they were purchased hits on a website that weren't actually genuine consumers. Um, so that person came through, that business came through, they came through, we assessed them. It would have been great to, if we'd met them three months earlier, but we actually had to say to them, we said, look, absolutely, we can get things rolling. But the way things are at the moment, we're probably going to look at about two and a half months before we're going to see an immediate impact in the bottom line that we can count on consistently. Like we might get a couple of outliers. But we'll probably look at two and a half months, and that would be this much to invest. And and they were confident to know that, yeah, we can go for two and a half months with you and invest that much to get that return. And they did, and they got the result, and their business stabilized. Um but that's, I suppose, the value in it, in, in spending that time with the client in the first instance, is because you, if you know what you're looking at and you know what you're looking for, um, it gives you that freedom to, to really honestly say to the client and then back it up for great returns. So um, I haven't actually, because I'm literally just back off the plane a couple of days ago, I haven't looked at our performance graph in terms of return on investment but we try to trend you know up 400 to 600 percent return on investment at least um now saying that that's easy when you work with companies with high turnover as well but um the higher the turnover in my opinion the more the work and generally um, the higher the retainer that they work with us so it still works out um equitable yeah 
So in terms of then working, so you've done your assessment, so they've qualified, and you've done your consultative review. So how do you go about and what kind of strategies do you use in terms of getting that high performance straight out of the door or within those first couple of months? So some, it, it really comes down to client to client. So, so for some clients, it could be just about providing them training around sales, like going and spending time with their sales team. Um, for others, it could be actually doing, um, you know, I, I really enjoy the 4DX process, the four disciplines of execution, and going through and looking at where the breakdown in their system is that um, that can that that's I suppose not completing the loop if you like that's not actually getting the results so you know it could be as simple as strategizing on marketing it could be as simple as providing sales training or it could be as complex as sitting down with the business owner and supporting them to facilitate and work past barriers and belief structures within themselves as to why their business can or cannot be successful. Um, and like I can come in and, and most of the people I contract to can come in and we can provide information. Like we can provide the sales training, we can do the marketing stuff, we can do the organizational development, we can do the leadership development, all that, all those bits and pieces. But if you want the real gold dust for a business, like I don't, if you want real gold dust from a business owner, I don't know a business owner's business like they know it. And if I can support them to, to move past whatever it is that's keeping them, I suppose in their head playing a smaller game, that's where I suppose it's passive. So, for example, um, there should be a nice example here. Yeah, so um, working with a pain management clinic, um, and one of the things that we were looking at was, you know, we were doing um, sales, we were doing marketing, um, you know, we're actually having a look at the, you know, which actual condition has the greatest return on investment for time spent. Um, and then the... The clinicians themselves, the directors, came up with the concept of the there's a I suppose a particular activity that a number of the pain management consultants in the district really enjoy doing. So they went and purchased a um, I suppose a, something that allowed them to get into that industry. So it was they ended up purchasing a, a, a table at a, a racing venue and would uh, subsequently invite them. Uh, to each racing meet and started to create uh, networks and, and understandings of referral partnerships that way. Now, there's two sides to that. They have to understand, I suppose they have to understand their, their market and where their, their referrals are coming from, but they also have to, I suppose, have, the, if you like, the balls to go ahead and invest in a table at a racing venue and also from that, be able to invite people without coming across as sort of sleazy or or um, underhanded and, and convert referrals through that. So that's, I suppose, off the top of my head, that's probably an example of where a business owner came through knowing their marketplace. Um, another, oh, another one for that industry would be that um, a lot of people weren't actually understanding the, the concept of um, not referring subsequent pain to a pain or suspect pain to a pain management center and a lot of gps were uh were, they felt were not referring clients to to um that had suspect chronic pain so what they did was they facilitated an event where they gave every they turned the um they turned the heat up really high in the room to make everyone and on purpose and made everyone really <laughs> 
And then, you know, someone actually requested, oh, you know, could I, could I turn on the aircon? They said, oh, oh, I just don't think we, you know, it's worth us turning on the aircon at the moment. Let's just see if, you know, we can drink this lukewarm water and see if, you know, that's going to manage it at the moment. I think it was lukewarm water, if that'll manage it, you know, at the moment. They're like, can we just turn on the aircon, please? And they're like, look, how about we just open the windows and just see how that goes? And they're like, look, I know what I want. I want the I want the aircon on. And they said, okay, this is great. We'll turn the aircons on and open the windows and we'll close the windows and everything else. And it was about conveying the emotive experience of experiencing something that's quite uncomfortable, but not necessarily doing what needs to what needs to be done to resolve it immediately. Um, so that's a beautiful example. And straight away they had a, a number of GPs. I, I once again, I'm sorry, Jess, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I know they got a big spike in referrals from that um, one facilitation. And was that your idea of in terms of turning on the heater up? Or? <laughs> all them. That was all them. It was all the business owner understanding their, their business, their product, their clients, what their clients experience. Um, and it was giving them the breathing room. My role in that was giving the business owner the breathing room um, to sort of st- know that their business was functioning well. So we'd put all the structure in an organization and then we're playing that. How do we grow the business? Like, how do we get that real big growth period? Um, so we started to really stretch the boundaries. You know, what would we expect ourselves to do if we couldn't lose? How would we perform if we were the best in the world at this? And, and this is what they came up with. And the business owners employed that strategy all on their own. Um, I suppose it was a joint effort, but you know, it was their suggestion. Um, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and how do you get this kind of ideas? Because as you mentioned, like a business owner is the best person who knows about their business and no consultant or no coach can take away from that kind of thing. Like you can bring in someone external, but you're the best person to talk to. So being a coach, how do you bring that out of that business owner? First thing you need is trust. So you need to have such a relationship with the business owner that they can actually spread their wings with you and that you can actually push them on their boundaries. The other thing is Socratic questioning style. So most of the time, the business owner will actually know what they need to do to resolve their business on some level, maybe not consciously. And it's being able to, and this is where I think being a clinician, Janish, really supported me as well in my journey as a coach, to be able to Socratically question, um, you know, understand the language used in conversation, to really get down to what is it that is holding them back in their business, and then when you resolve, be it an identity belief, be it a, you know, uh, something that they've developed, some stuff that they've picked up through their journey in business, um, once you sort of resolve or move those or even create space for those to be those things to no longer limit their thinking, they then start to create an emotive experience around the success they could have. And then they start to see the actions that are going to create these emotive experiences and subsequently create um, financial reward or business traction. So it's, if there was a recipe for it, um, like people do sort of recipe it, I suppose, like it's how do you coach someone through a, a conversation, but really it's it's more about um, intuitively guiding your your client through what they need, the, the blocks that are coming up for them around being successful in their business and being that that um, 
that business place that, that is rocking it, but more importantly is, is different to everyone else and getting that edge. So it's to even get to that space where you, where you have that conversation takes an enormous amount of trust. So then how do you start building that trust? Because it's something, example for myself, like I'm interviewing you now, we haven't met face to face, but we're, uh, we're in a really deep conversation so how does one go about building trust instantly? And obviously it takes time, but you need to hit the ball off the park kind of thing. So this, um, probably the easiest way, like if there is a trick to building trust immediately, it's saying what the client, what, what everyone else is scared of saying. Okay. So for example, in a sales conversation, the person who is selling is concerned that they're not going to convey enough value for the person to purchase. Um, and the person that's possibly going to purchase is concerned that this person's going to rip them off. Okay? So one of the best things you can do in a sales conversation is actually put your hand up and say, look, this isn't, look, obviously I'm here to have a sales conversation with you and actually see if this product's going to be a good fit. But the last thing I want to do is sell you something that you don't need. And the last thing you want to do is buy something that you don't want. So can we just put that out in the open and say, look, if this isn't a good fit, it's not a good fit, um, and that's fine. And straight away, it takes all the anxiety out of the conversation and allows the person that you're selling to to really actually entertain the product with their guard down. The same goes for business owners. So when you're, uh, I suppose, working with a business owner, being able to intuitively pick up um, – what's a nice example here – so say, for example, if I provide a suggestion to them in their business, okay, um, be it I think you need to move Joe Blogs from a full-time sales director. I think you need to give him part-time R&D in sales for the team and not necessarily spend as much time in contact with the sales staff. Um, okay, and then say if they bork at that suggestion, it's my ability to pick up on that and, and also sort of having the integrity and the honesty to say, so you're not trusting me on this, are you? Um, you, you know, it's and I appreciate that. Look, I'm asking you to make a big organizational change, but let's flesh it out. Let's see if it is really a good fit for you. So then they go, oh well, okay, he knows. Um, well, let's see if it is a good fit then, and really flesh it out. Um, so there's a number of things, but if if there's one thing, it's saying what everyone's concerned about saying, and saying it like it is and like it's really normal. And and then people can go, oh, well, that's where we're standing. That's where we're at. The other things are, are really simple, Janish, like, you know, being – I'm fanatically punctual, funny enough, because I was four minutes <laughs> this conversation. But uh, I make a, a serious point of calling exactly on the time. That's something uh, – maybe I'm a little bit OCD, but fanatic uh, punctuality. When I say I'm going to deliver on something, I always make sure I deliver on it. Um, and if I can't deliver on it, I say, I'm sorry, I can't deliver on this. Um, they're just the little things, little housekeeping things. Um, yeah. Okay. And that's a really great because normally trust is someone like quite a few people struggle with. And when you're initially starting out as a coach, you kind of, as we go back to that self sabotage, you trusting yourself and all that kind of things. So Aiden, like you've been in the coaching side of things now for quite a bit. You've, created great high performance case studies for your clients and they've become a case study for you. So what is the biggest thing like most of the coaches or most of the businesses struggle with that 
it could be easily fixed like very quickly kind of thing um mm, that's a tough one um <laughs> So generally, everyone comes to to me because they're having issues with their cash flow. Um, Like they're not making enough money, essentially. So if it's a coach, okay, so if it was a coach, the first thing a coach needs to do, okay, especially if they're new, is they need to get a bloody coach themselves. Um, Some people are going to disagree with me on this, but purely from a behavioral perspective, how can you expect someone to pay you for coaching if you're not going to even do the same? It would be like <laughs> an old person telling me to run further. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, mate. Um, just intrinsically, it needs to happen. So as a coach, the first thing I'd say is get a coach, get a good coach, um, and get one that you can be open and honest with, one that you can cry on the phone with when you're shitting your pants about having no money, and one that you can celebrate with when you're killing it two weeks later. If it's a business, I can't really say get a coach again. Um, but, uh, <laughs> if you're a business and, and look, they come to me and what the first problem is, if there's anything, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's two things they need to know. Um, they need to have a look at their mindset. They need to know what's the level they're playing at intrinsically if they're a sole trader or if they're even a small business and the business owner is still in it. Um, What's the level that they're playing at in their head? What are they not doing and why are they not doing it? Um, what are they doing and for what purpose and what sort of results? Like, They really need to have a good, hard look at themselves intrinsically and on what sort of a game they're playing inside themselves. Where are they going? What do they really think their business is going to achieve for them? And why are they really thinking that? And when did they start to really think that? And if that's not fucking positive, that needs to change. Um, and, if it's, and if it can't change to something positive we need to start to change something else in the external realm in your business to understand how we can actually get that vision back on track. The other thing that I'll put right beside that is they have to know their numbers. They have to know their numbers. Um, They need to know how much they're investing. Simplest example is how much do you invest to get a new client? And subsequently, how long can you keep that client and how can you then upsell them into another product And if you do upsell them, what's the rate at which you're upselling? So I'm a bit of a numbers freak, but a numbers thing is so essential for a business owner because it it allows you to just see it straight away. Okay, so we're getting the leads, but we're converting terribly, and it's costing us, you know, $500 to get one lead, but we're converting three out of every 10. So we need to be converting them at X amount. Um, People get sort of overwhelmed with numbers. How can I track it all? Oh, my goodness, it's it's too much. Um, that's why you do one thing at a time. So you find out what, what is the one thing that needs to change right now, and if it did change with everything else remaining the same, would have the greatest overall impact in a business, that's what you focus on first. So I'll say that again. What's the one thing that if you changed and improved whilst everything else remained the same would have the greatest overall impact in your business? And then you focus on that and you get the numbers for that and you work out, you know, what's the expenditure, what's the investment, um, what's the upsell, what's the downsell, all the rest of it. Um, and just have a look at it. So know, know the numbers, know time. If it's, you know, um, 
we're not having enough staff present uh, to serve our clients. No, you want to have a look at sick leave. You want to have a look at staff engagement. You want to have a look at, um, you know, when was the last last time the staff were actually trained? Um, and then it's, okay, so it's a cultural thing. So then it's creating rules about culture. So how often is the owner actually spending time with each of the business or each of the staff and so forth? Um because then it allows you to track it. And subsequently, for me, the reason why I love it is when we start to see financial reward in, in their bottom line, we can say, okay, we'll have a look at this because we got an extra $10,000 there because you started to spend more time with the sales staff um, and so on and so on. So without rambling too much, it's know their inner game and know their numbers for business owners. So I'd like to flip that on you. So what is that one thing, Aiden, you're not doing right now that if you started doing will take your business to the next level? Mate, I'll tell you straight away what I haven't <laughs> been doing. So I have just been the laziest sod when I got back. Um, so for, for like in the short term, it's that I haven't actually put the foot back on the gas nice and hard. Um, but for me, it's about uh, what I need to do next is I need to very clearly articulate policy and procedure for the people that I bring in behind me. Because if there's anything I think that I need to really iron out, it would be um, really systemizing the business so that I can almost sell it or hand it over to, to one of the people that I contract to um, so that I don't necessarily have to work in it as much. Um, I can sort of give it away to someone with a guidebook. My policy and procedural manual is present, but it probably needs more work. Um, that would be one thing, that it would just sort of tidy a lot of things up for me. And when's the plan of creating that? Um, it'll be done before Christmas, um, absolutely. It's, uh, it's The bones of it's there. It's just nearly nearly done. It's to be so in terms of then, what's the future outlook for Keystone? Are you planning to more of sell it or more of it grow that you don't have to be there and work on other businesses because you're looking to systemize and put in processes, which everyone should be doing? But yeah. Um, so this is this is something that I'm actually meeting tomorrow with a couple of uh, business mentors with. Um, so it's a really good question. Um I aim to be – so I could be um, like one of those people that stretch the truth and say that I'm an international coaching service because I coach some clients overseas. Um, but I want to open the business in Europe, back, back home in Ireland. And I've given myself a 12-month window to generate enough income that I can employ someone – as, if you like, a CEO for Keystone that I know has experience in business development that I can put in behind me um, and I can sell him a component of the business, maybe 30 40%, or we can simply do sweat equity to allow me to step away but still mentor him and the consultants regularly but from a different location because for me now, for Keystone, it's about stabilizing the systems because they're working. I just want to make them ironclad and then be able to bring someone in behind me to allow me to go overseas, still draw a good income from the business and still have it working away and perhaps sell a component of it to someone else or a number of other people. And then when I'm in Ireland, replicate it as well because it, basically it's closer to home. And, you know, I'm 28 years old. I want to start um, having kids with my new wife. Um, so we're going to plan to do that as well. And, geez, when that happens, I imagine it'll be a – Battle stations. So. <laughs> all, all get ready, set, go kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Aiden, then, like, at 28-year-old, you have achieved a lot of things and there's a lot of bright for future. And as you mentioned, you want to start this back in Ireland, obviously help as many people back in the home country and continue what you're doing here in Australia and grow from there. And again, it comes back to that structuring your business for greater results. So we talked about, let's say, having a clear understanding of what your role as the CEO is in terms of positioning yourself as the CEO. Then we talked about the assessment period, the constant review and how to get, how you do that in regards to your highest performing uh, philosophy behind Keystone. And then Mm. looking at the clients and how they do in terms of if it's a coach, getting them to have a coach and other different things. So are we missing out any key aspects? Or is there anything that that still hasn't fit the puzzle piece? I think it's uh, if there's anything else I'd add is making sure that the structure that you're so the first thing is you need to get clear on your culture, your attitude, your values, your vision, your mission, all the soft stuff that everyone sort of fluffs around. You need to get really clear on it, and so clear on it that when you open up the page or when you look at it on your whiteboard you get a bit of fire in your belly you need to get so clear on that and then you need to trans in the simplest form translate that into structure in your business so for me it's honesty and integrity um, professionalism i can read them to you right now um accountability uh, lead when you lead, follow when you follow. Only accept the best from everyone. Um, integrity above all. No, 100% accountability and no excuses. Your purpose is not to live, rather to live for your purpose. So know it. Um, and be proud of your failures. Show your results on your outcomes that you're advertising and so on. But, for example, if someone was to have, um, you know, uh, what's a nice one? I'll use the pain management again. So, um but theirs is to one of their values. Now, this is off the top of my head, but it was it's something along the lines of um, be the link that everyone needs, or be the essentially they're conveying how do they how do they represent a population in Australia that they feel is underrepresented um, that are suffering, and they, that was that's one of their values. So, and they phrased it as be the link or be the either something to represent those people and then subsequently there they take a very active or proactive approach to bringing awareness to the community and and to to for example in that facilitation to gps and, and things like that the sort of lived experience uh, and that coincides also with their be exciting is one of those that's nice and easy to remember um so they're always looking to do things where it's more sort of on the edge so not many um, health service providers would lock a heap of GPs in the room or potential referrers and then crank up the, <laughs> the heat on them and not the air on. So that's their sort of, that's their values, that's their culture, and they employ that in action as well. Um, that's probably one of the most important things. So then, because I know this is not a simple process that we can just get it done over and with on a simple podcast, but what are the steps that you take to develop that? So for those people who haven't gone into developing the mission or the values and things like that. Um, what I take my clients through is we do the 12 months from now and what's the game you're playing 12 months from now and how hard are you playing it? Um, what are the things in your life that 
Absolutely. Don't ask. I don't ask people what are the things that you you love in your life because it's really hard to find that. I ask people what are the things that fucking piss you off <laughs> ever. Like if someone did this to you and you would never speak to them again, what is it? Um, and one of those things for me is not necessarily not speak to them, but if someone lies to me or disrespects me, um, they're my bugbears. So straight away, that allows me to understand that okay so someone lies to me it means that they're being dishonest which means honesty is really big for me it shows that they're integrous that that they have poor integrity so integrity is really big for me and integrity in business is really big for me so what does that mean so if integrity in business it means that you do what you say in business so then subsequently for me it's owning my results it's delivering on what i want to deliver on and then from that the only way I suppose I can really do that is, is making sure that I'm the highest performing SME that I can be. Um, so if there's the, if there's a starting point, it's finding out the level that you will play at 12 months from now, if you were killing it, like if you were absolutely owning it, what's the, what's the attitude? What's the, the, what's the emotion? What's the experience? What are the things you're doing every day? What do you accept? What don't you accept? Um, and so forth, and really just paint a nice picture, and then go go to the space of what is the thing that just shits you off? Like, what are the things that annoy you? And that's going to give you sort of your values or pillars that you can find through Socratic questioning and really pulling it out and fleshing it out. Um, and this is why you need a coach um, as well, is, is someone to bounce this around with, really sort of getting in tune with, so that's where I want to be. That's how we're going to perform. Um, based on my values. And that's what my story is. That's what my mission is. Um, so, yeah, it's probably not what you're looking for in terms of uh, uh, a recipe for it. But if there is something, it's stand 12 months from now when you're rocking it, find out what it is that pisses you off and look at the polar opposite of that because that's what makes your heart tick and then build your business and everything else around those things. It It, it is kind of exactly what I'm looking at because I know, in the corporate world, they go through all this of word bubbling and all that, and it takes months and months of processes. And a small business owner or a individual, a solopreneur, doesn't have that kind of time. So that really, really narrows down. And I love the opposite approach. Like I've again, I've not heard of anyone use that, but I love that. What are the things that it pisses you off? Yeah. <laughs> so that's really good. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah. So. Now, in terms of, again, I'm still curious how, so you're 28 and you've achieved this kind of results, which people dream of even when they're 40, 50 or 60 kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. what was that thing like you went, I'm going for the high end, the premium kind of thing? Because was that uh, coming from that OT side of things, like you were earning 10 grand a month or what was it? Um... Arrogance definitely goes in there. Um, <laughs> I, I have a high opinion of myself sometimes, um, but I'm also quite humble. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think it's I've. Do you know what? It, if it's anything, Jenish, it's that um, I I made it. I made a promise to myself that if I stayed in Australia, um, I would work as hard as I could so that by the time I'm ready to have kids, I could raise my kids in such a way that I could be present for them all the time. Um, and I want to be able to provide for my family and my, my wife and, 
and and I want to be able to and, and I suppose I want to be able to have kids by the time I'm 30. I want to start having kids when I'm 30. Um, and for me, it just became kind of clear then. It was like, okay, well, um, this is what I and I could do it now. Like I could do it now, but I've got time because I said it was 30. So um, two more years. Me, two more years. Two more years. So for me, it was about just going. Uh, it was about getting back home as well, back home to raise kids. Um, so if there is a, a massive, like people go, where do you get your motivation or your drive? It's because for me, I think really home is Ireland, where all my brothers and sisters and my, my mother and, and everyone else are present. And I love the place. Like it's such a good place. Um, that, and I, don't get me wrong, I love Australia. I love that, you know, you don't have to worry about the cold when you when you get out of bed in Queensland. <laughs> you can literally walk out of the shower and not have to run to a heated towel. I think it's brilliant. But it's not home. And for me, the, the massive drive was I need to be incredibly successful to allow me to live my life the way I want to and support my kids to live my life or live their life the way they want to around my family in Ireland. And and when I left, Ireland had just fallen into the depression. So it was very clear to me that I needed to do this in Australia. So that was another thing that it was like, okay, tie up the shoes, put the head down and just fucking hustle, mate, and get it done. Um, yeah. So that's probably a component of it. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Like it's very similar to what I have because it's, I'm at the moment 25 and it's, Similar things like when I do get, have a family, I want to spend as much time as possible with them, be at home with the kids and whatnot. And again, similar goals where have kids around 30, travel and enjoy life before that and after that, obviously. But it's very similar. I, I love, love that. And it's something that's kind of keeping me going, but there's a lot more steps to go. So yeah. You'll get there, mate. Just keep the hustle up. You'll get there. Uh, so. Aiden, wrapping things up, uh, what is your definition of authority and what do you think is the key to authority? Um, I don't think authority is someone who's, who's necessarily walked the walk. I think authority, uh, maybe I'll review that. Um, I define authority as someone who can demonstrate, uh, repetitive, um, tangible, results or outcomes based on what they're talking about, based on their their, their area of authority. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have been doing something for a very long time to be an authority on it. You just have to be able to know or be able to deliver um, consistent results in, in a specific area to, I suppose, to be the authority, to be the, the thing that, to know what you need to know to be the authority on that topic, whatever that topic is. Um, and if there's a key to it, it's reflecting. It's having a look at yourself, having a look at where your weaknesses are, having a look at where your strengths are um, and what you need to improve on. Because the moment you're, you think you're as good as you are is the moment you're going to stop improving you need to always sort of play two steps behind where you really are i think you always have to be playing in second place and you need to reflect on what needs to improve so just to sort of wrap up to kind of work that one out in my head to 
the definition of authority for me is someone who can provide information or has knowledge or has skill about a particular topic that can deliver results on them tangibly time after time after time. Um, and the key to that is reflecting on self, playing, playing in that space as if you're in second place because the moment you think you're as good as you are is the moment you start to get worse. And you just need to keep pushing, keep chasing to improve that's probably the key for me the key to becoming an authority in a space love that definition and love your key in that sense because it's that constant feedback like in terms of because i'm an engineer is like we always look for feedback from whatever we install and whatever systems we put in so it translates really great in terms of business and stuff so yeah I I love love engineers <laughs> they're the best they're um, <laughs> They love numbers. They love doing the work. They love, uh, you know, having it all in front of them. They're the best people to work with. Yeah, and we love our systems and processes. So whenever you said like systemize, I'm like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but wrapping things up, Aiden, what is an action that our listening can take today in terms of implementing the right structure for the business to get that highest performance and get that gang busting kind of growth? And obviously systemizing and every single thing we talked about. I'd, I'd ask them to answer this question. What is the one thing that they need to improve if everything else remained the same that would get the greatest result for them in their business? Then find out if, you know, who can help them with that or if they can resolve that on their own. And if not, find someone that they, that they can get the results from and make sure that they, they do get the results from them, I suppose, Honestly, so I would be saying looking for someone who can deliver on it, um, looking for the person that really is the authority, not someone that's just sort of selling fluff, wishes and dreams. Yep. And I'll be answering that on myself as well because it's a question that whatever level you are in business, I guess you can always find that one thing that could take you to the next. So, Aiden, how can our audience get in touch with you uh, where do you hang out over social media or in Ireland uh, or in North Queensland? <laughs> um, so, look, I'm in uh, probably the easiest way is just going to the website. So it's it's really simple, but it's really long. Um, it's www.keystoneexecutivecoaching.com. So all my contact details are there. Um, if, you know, have a look for me on Facebook, I'm pretty easy to find. If anyone wants to add me and have a chat, that's not a problem either. Um, and I will try and get back to them as soon as I can. But otherwise, just reach out, just say hi. Um, we do have ad campaigns running all the time as well. So it'll just be Keystone Advertising. So and if you jump onto that, generally there'll be information about how to catch us as well. But, yeah. Great. I really, really enjoyed the chat. And I love that the question about, obviously, that one thing, to help uh, take your next level, but also the other things we talked about from systemizing, from assessment to the role of the taking the CEO. And now I'm just trying to list everything. I'm like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> we just talked a lot, but and that's just now implementing action kind of thing. Mm, very much so. And it's, yeah, it's what's the one thing that if everything else remained the same and you only improved one thing, um, what is that one thing that would have the greatest impact on your business and everything else remain the same absolutely again it's that engineering is like only keep only change one thing and keep yeah. everything constant and then measure it 
and then measure it. <laughs> All good. Aiden, really, really lovely to talk to you and I'll probably catch up with you in Brisbane if we get a chance to, but really, yes. really enjoy the chat. No worries, mate. It was a pleasure. Um, looking forward to catching up soon. Wasn't that really inspiring how Aiden relentlessly hustled at the very start of his coaching career to gain his first few clients and then to build momentum and to get where he's at the moment and serving clients to help them come up with innovative ideas and innovative methods to grow and get greater results. And that story reminded me of a quote saying, overnight success takes 10 years. It takes time and effort to build a business. And when people see it massive, they just think, wow, it happened very shortly, but there's always a different story behind it. And that's what excites me to meet this kind of people and interview them. I'd love to hear what your takeaways from this show were. So go to the comment section on our show notes, which you can find at keytoauthority.com slash EP047. And I'd love to hear what your takeaway from this episode was. So to do that, go to keytoauthority.com slash EP047 and leave a comment with your takeaways and would love to find out what you got out of this episode. For me, the three key takeaways were you have to relentlessly hustle to achieve what you want. There is no shortcuts. It's all about hustle, hustle, hustle till you get there. Then the second one was to avoid pain for both you and your clients, you have to qualify them through an assessment process. Because many a times I meet people, and even myself, I've done this, I've taken on a client which doesn't necessarily fit with my values or the procedures, and then it's painful for both myself and the client. So it's better to have an assessment process and filter out the clients you take on. And the last one is you need to put in place systems, processes, and feedback to exponentially grow your business. Especially coming from an engineering background, I love this one. And without that, you really can't duplicate and grow it as much as you want. So those were the three things for me and would love to hear from you what your takeaway was. So to do that, go to the show notes and also to find out about the details of the upcoming event on the 6th of January. It's a free event and would love to have you to celebrate the 50 episodes of the podcast. So go to keytoauthority.com slash EP047 for the details. Till we meet next, keep getting greater results for your business. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.